Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball Podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks very much for joining us on our latest This Week in Rays Baseball Podcast. To be honest, I really didn't think we'd be doing one two days after the end of the regular season, but news happens. And so here we are. Uh, the Rays announcing that Kyle Snyder is their new pitching coach, that Charlie Montoyo is their new bench coach, that Tom Foley will not be part of the coaching staff but remains a big part of the organization, and Jamie Nelson, the Rays are working out an opportunity for him as well, with Jim Hickey, the Rays' longtime pitching coach, moving on. So that said, let's dive right into this. Joining us is Senior Vice President Eric Neander. Eric, thanks very much for joining us. I certainly didn't anticipate this. How did it all come about, all the changes right here less than 48 hours after the season in a lot of different ways you know I guess uh, we're talking about three guys that have given collectively to this point over 50 years of of service to the organization and have been you know invaluable members of what we've done and uh, as we move forward here you know one's going to be moving on the other two are ideally staying and in different roles here and things they can do to make an impact um you know, it's not the details of it and how it came about. I think, you know, a variety of conversations were had about what was best and what was important to, you know, all the parties involved and uh, led to some tweaks in the staff structure and, and duties and responsibilities and finding different ways to empower people and get even more out of them. Um, you know, I don't really think that there was a specific <laughs> you know it's the time of year where these conversations happen where things where things come about where you check in you get an idea of what's best for everybody and you know at the end of the day this was the outcome well let's begin then with the, the guys who were promoted it sounds like from the conference call kevin had grown into a real comfort level with charlie um and at the same time it probably seemed like a a good time for you know a different opportunity for for foe based on you know he's been traveling for a long time this probably was a, a good fit for him too yeah foe's been a such a big part of our organization and you know a handful of different roles over time and he's he's not going far he's going to be you know very close to what we're doing with the big league club and i think likely with a little more flexibility than what you could afford him to have in the, the bench coach role, which might allow a few of us outside of Kevin to, to steal some of his wisdom and you know all of his knowledge to help us in some other areas as well. So we'll see how it plays out, um, but it's it's going to be a, a very significant role and uh, I think going to play even better to you know some of the, the great strengths that he has within our, our organization. And you know with Charlie, Charlie's someone that's obviously been on our staff. The accomplishments that, that he has within our organization um, you know, for for a very long time here as a successful manager, he's been a you know wonderful at third base for Kevin and as part of the staff. And just as uh, time has gone on, the relationships that uh, that Kevin's developed, you know, in this case with Charlie, um, I think really strengthened and, and gave him the confidence that you know as Foe is you know taking on something that's a little bit different than he was doing prior. That Charlie was the ideal guy to to step into that spot, and uh, there was full support all around for for Kevin when he wanted to do that. From a fan standpoint, the one I hear about is Kyle Snyder over Jim Hickey. Walk us through that. Yeah, Hicks had a, an amazing run here, and the accomplishments and uh, everything that that has happened, um, you know, deserves all the credit in the world. And wish him no, nothing but the best as as he moved forward. But um, you know, I think we decided it was it was the right time to 
to transition, you know, to, to try something different. We have someone in Kyle that is uh, very accomplished in his own way, hasn't had the major league experience as a coach, but you see some of the things that he's been able to accomplish with guys that, you know, the next stop was up here, you know, breaking the strikeout record, some of the things this year, the amount of progress guys have made down there, the way that our pitchers speak to Kyle. Um, we're, we're excited to see what he can do up here, you know, and, and the relationships and the connections of the, those pitchers that he has that are already in place, you know, to be able to potentially help him hit the ground running when he comes up here and, and fill some really big shoes, uh, you know, that were Hicks. With the changes that were made, how much is this? Well, Kevin's now managed for a few years. A lot of the staff he inherited. Is this also maybe some of it also fitting with his personality? Um, you know, who maybe he's not that he was uncomfortable, but if there are ways to upgrade in that area and feel even more comfortable. I don't want to speak for Kevin on how, you know, he feels. I can say with confidence that these, you know, the the, the three guys we're talking about um, that are no longer going to be in their exact positions on the staff, you know, Hick, Foe, Nelly, these are, these are guys that Kevin, I think, has a very good relationship with, has, and I think would expect to continue to have, uh, that he could rely on, that he could trust, and um, gave him a lot of, of what he really needed. But, um, you know, as we move forward and, and as some things happen, uh, you know, the the people that are coming onto the staff are also people that Kevin has a lot of confidence in and a lot of trust in. And, um, you know, look, he, he, he's the manager. You know, it's it's his staff. It's his, you know, how to shape it, how to fill different spots as, as people move on. Um, it's important that we do everything that we can as a front office, as an organization, to support, you know, what's what's best for Kevin as he as he does that and you know that's something that hopefully has been consistent from day one but this is this is where we are today is there a timeline that you guys are trying to adhere to to fill the coaching spots do you want it done before let's say the end of the world series um earlier than that what's kind of the thought process uh no specific timeline i I think for a lot of reasons you'd love to do it sooner rather than later as fast as you're able to identify and select the right fits and the people that Kevin thinks are the best fits to round out the staff. You want to act, you know, you want to, you want to put that to bed and move forward and start focusing on 2018 and making the most of it. So uh, no, no specific by this date, we'll do this. Um, you know, but we're, we're, we're going to get on in here pretty quickly. I already started to, to be on it. And uh, Kevin's been pretty active thinking through that here, um, you know, today. Tell me what, um, or how important, because this isn't something that necessarily Kevin would be involved with, the Durham pitching coach job. Because Kyle had the job, now he's a major league coach. Neil Allen had it before him. He was the pitching coach for the Twins the last couple of years. How important is that spot to your organization in the big picture? Incredibly important. I. It's the, you know, I talk about, the finishing school, polishing pitchers, et cetera, that continue, guys continue to develop at the major league level, but you're really, you're really trying to put them in the position where when they get that call and they come up to the big leagues, they're there to stick, ideally, uh, especially our, our younger guys. And um, with that, you know, somebody that can connect the players, that can really have that attention to detail and that fine-tuning and to instill that belief in them that they are ready to be a major league pitcher uh, is absolutely critical. Um, 
any more or less critical than the many different phases that go into a player's career and development. Uh, you could you could make a case just about anywhere on the ladder, you know, for any particular role being, you know, the most critical. But it's it's certainly one of them, and you know, for the reasons mentioned, um, something that as we we move forward here, we've got to get right. In these cases, you promoted from within. Charlie got promoted from third base to bench. Kyle Snyder got promoted from Durham to the major leagues. How much of what you're looking for is internal in this process going forward, and how much do you think will be external? And do you think this is going to be a split? Do you think we're going to have some new blood, so to speak, in the organization? I think it's too early to say in terms of how it will play out. You know, we're still uh, between the completion of the season and you know the news yesterday um, in a position here where we need to <laughs> get our feet under us a little bit and and start thinking about it moving forward. So uh, can't can't provide any specifics on that I you know can say and that we believe that you know uh, promoting from within is something that is you know that we we desire that you know we want to reward staff that have put in the work the staff you trust the staff you know I think that's something that that is important and you know how to balance that with fresh viewpoints and people that have been exposed to different things and um, sometimes that can be of a benefit too so you know those are those are the kind of things that uh we're going to think about, you know, and just typically in a lot of these situations, think about, you know, you want to put people in positions um, that are of great importance that you trust, that you have confidence in. And oftentimes the best way to do that is to know them and to have worked with them. So we'll see how it goes, how it plays out. But uh, in a, I think a more general sense that are, those tend to be our thoughts on these things. But uh, we got to we got to take a closer look at the best fits and and uh, who satisfy the criteria that we're going to lay out. Obviously, a lot of work to be done, but a lot of work already done. Two days into the offseason, Eric, we certainly appreciate some time. Thank you, Neil. Right, we just heard from Eric Neander, race senior vice president, of course, involved in the decisions on the uh, race coaching staff, and joining us, um, Kyle Snyder, who, through all this, was promoted from AAA Durham to the big leagues as a coach for the first time. Kyle, thanks very much for a few minutes. Congratulations. Thanks a lot, Neil. Uh, happy to be here. How surprising was this all to you? Uh, extremely. I mean, it, it, it certainly caught me off guard. It was, uh, I'm out here on the West Coast. I'm, you know, I'm with my family on, you know, a relatively short vacation, but it was certainly unexpected. Um, you know, to, to get the phone call and, you know, to have things, uh, you know, just get pieced together relatively quickly. It was a lot to digest and it's still quite a bit to digest, but it was, it was certainly unexpected. It's almost from a life standpoint, things have come full circle for you. You were drafted originally by the Rays, didn't sign, went down to college at UNC, and now here you are going to be their major league pitching coach. Yeah, it's uh, a matter of fact, I was talking to my my mom about that the other day, and, you know, I thought things kind of could come full circle. But, uh, you know, being that I grew up in southwest Florida, um, the ties to the Bay Area and and growing up in Sarasota, this is a hometown team. It's, It's who I rooted for ever. You know, ever since being drafted by them, and uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's pretty neat, you know, to to be in this position right here, and and and, and ideally be able to, uh, you know, help this organization, you know, return to you know postseason play in October, and ultimately win a championship. You know, Eric uh, and Kevin last night on, on the conference call, obviously, both spoke very highly of you. Um, would it mean to get this kind of opportunity? Because you have not been coaching for that long a period of time to get the opportunity in the big leagues. I mean, again, it kind of all comes 
comes down to this being unexpected. I mean, you know, I, I still feel like I'm cutting my teeth, Neil, you know, and, and, and learning. And I, I, I think that's um, it, it's something that, you know, I mean, Kevin and I have talked about, you know, at times over the last few years where, you know, you just, you're curious, you know, you're hungry, you, you recognize that there's just so much more to learn. And, you know, you know, even a loss isn't a loss. It's, it's, I mean, it's a lesson and, and, and being able to take certain things away from that. But I mean, the fact that it's happened as quickly as it has, um, and, you know, to get to this point is definitely surprising. Um, you know, but all the same, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the challenge, the new chapter going forward, um, and, and, and seeing, you know, similar to what we talked about a little bit last night, just, you know, the relationships that I currently have in place, building new relationships with people that I don't know personally, um, you know, whether those are acquisitions over the winter or players that have been at the big league level for the last few seasons um, that I haven't spent much time around outside of spring training. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, like I said before, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, but, you know, it's definitely a very exciting period. You know a lot of the Rays staff because a lot of them have come through Durham. How comfortable are you with the majority of the guys they have now? And then how talented is the group that's on the come that maybe hasn't been to the big leagues that you're a part of a championship team with in AAA? Uh, well, very, I mean, very comfortable with some of the guys that have, you know, that have gotten to the big leagues and, and, and been able to check that box and, and, and realize their dream. But, you know, getting getting to the point where, you know, there's, there's some things to fine tune yet. There's there's some development that needs to occur at the major league level, and then on the uh, on the other side of that, yeah, I mean, just the talent that's coming through uh, Durham. You know, I mean, the talent that's been, you know, on the, on the pitching side of things in the, at the upper levels of the Meyer Leagues throughout this last year, and just kind of seeing all that evolve. You know, uh, 2014, I was in a coordinator role in the last three seasons being in Durham, and seeing a lot of the guys that I saw at the at the lower levels and even in our Latin American academies. Um, really progress and progress quickly here over the last few seasons and getting an opportunity to spend some time with, you know, the Jose Alvarado's and Diego Castillo's of the world that are, you know, certainly on the come in, in, in AAA and are going to be impact major league pitchers, but um, they're not alone. I mean, there, there's quite a few guys in, in, in AAA and on that Durham staff that, that did not get to the big leagues this year that are definitely going to make an impact on our major league club going forward. What's the biggest gap, do you think, between AAA and the big leagues, and what's the hardest adjustment? Because there is certainly a gap between the two levels. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, I think I mentioned a bit of that last night. Just that the, I don't know if the gap is, is growing. It's certainly sizable. Um, you know, I think depending on the, 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 the pitcher, uh, you know, it, it could be something as simple as just their comfort level at the big league level and, and realizing that they're capable of having the same success in the big leagues as, as they've had it, you know, in, in the minor leagues or the highest level of the minor leagues. Um, you know, it, it, I think it differs from guy to guy. Um, I mean, some of it's just a simple count, you know, count control, you know, approach and just making sure that these guys get to, you know, uh, advantageous counts from a pitching standpoint and then, from that point, just, you know, being able to uh, command the ball outside the strike zone. Um, and, and, you know, the, the chase doesn't occur at the major league level until you get the two strikes. Mm-hmm. It occurs a little bit more often than that, you know, when you're at the minor league level. And to get guys to follow you out of the strike zone in the big leagues is, you know, you're facing discipline hitters that have a much better knowledge of the strike zone um, and a much better understanding of their capabilities. And I think that's probably the, the thing – Granted, not having been a coach at the major league level, um, but seeing you know the transition, and at times you know an uphill battle that certain guys have facing, you know, facing going from AAA and 
and having success at AAA and then, you know, uh, stepping their toe a little bit, you know, when they get to the big leagues and not that, that success not necessarily translating immediately. Um, you know, but those are some things I think that will need to be prioritized, you know, um, from my standpoint and, you know, uh, continuing to to talk through some of the finer points and, 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 and some of the finishing touches that I feel like some of these guys need to uh, – uh, need to get to in order to have the, the success that we all know they're capable of having at the major league level. You're talking to some of the Durham pitchers who had come up during the course of the year. They all spoke highly of how you communicated with them. Is that your greatest strength? And if so, what makes you a, a good communicator? Uh, you know, I, I don't know that it's, I mean, if, I don't know that it's my greatest strength. I, I'm, I don't, I don't know what my greatest strength is, I suppose. You know, I, I think, being able to get on each player's level, um, to speak their language, to, uh, to to really, you know, get to the point where you understand, you know, what you know what drives them, what makes them tick, uh, you know, and, and and it goes beyond the things that you're trying to achieve on a daily basis with regards to the, you know pitching, you know, I mean, it, it's just getting to know who they are and um, where they came from and. You know, I mean, you're dealing with different cultural and mm-hmm. economic backgrounds with certain guys. I mean, you're, you know, you're dealing with guys that are far more educated than I am, and you're dealing with guys that are, you know, drafted right out of high school and have high baseball IQs. But you know, um, sometimes you just have to simplify it for those guys as well. Um, you know, it, it it's just that's a challenge. It's it, 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 there's an everyday ebb and flow to that where it's just. You know, you you got five guys to get to on a given day. It's five different things that you need to address, and it it may take five entirely different approaches. And um, I, I I guess I take a lot of pride in that from the standpoint of just the relationships that I have with guys, and 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 that the trust takes time to earn. Um, but in order for me to to be able to connect and reach a player, uh, that relationship is absolutely critical to establish. You talk about time. You do have some time in that you have a little less than six months before games count at this level. Knowing that you're in Tampa Bay and that you have a chance to be you know, around guys in January for throwing programs and talk to them beforehand, how much do you think that acclimation time will help you get ready for the new role? Uh, I think it's going to be huge, Neil. You know, I, I think that that process needs to begin almost immediately. And whether it's just reaching out to guys, touching base with them, having some conversations about what their plans are, you know, in the, the start of their off season, you know, going into um, when they're going to start playing catch and and some of the things that they want to focus on and prioritize, you know, guys that were at the big league level, I mean, guys that I might have had throughout this year a little bit or even last, last year as well, and it's just kind of, you know, picking their brain just with regards to some of the things that they want to work on and work towards, you know, going into the 2018 season. It's definitely is, um, it's helpful for me uh, knowing that I have that time um, to be able to reach out to them and, and touch base and, and, and start that process sooner rather than later. And does it help to have Stan coming back, the bullpen coach, So since he does well, have a good rapport? 100%. You know, I mean, Stan has been great uh, for me. I mean, obviously, Hick as well. I mean, these guys have been mentors for me. And, and you know, Dewey and Boz and, and Marty as well. But, I mean, the last few years, um, you know, Stan and I have been in constant communication. 
you know, with guys going to the big leagues, guys returning to AAA from the, at the big league level, and just keeping that that those lines of communication open, just so that the, the message is consistent. Um, Stan's been a tremendous help to me, and will continue to be a tremendous help to me going forward. Um, you know, he's he's an incredibly sharp guy, extremely prepared, and everything that he's done for me the last few seasons. You know, trying to continue to to prioritize particular things with each guy. You know, when they come down to to AAA, and then you know, kind of touching those particular you know. Uh, uh, bullet points with certain guys, and then being able to send those guys, you know, you know, back to the big leagues. You know, I mean, ha- having Stan and having Stan been there since 2011 um, is going is to be a tremendous help for me in this transition. We congratulate you on the new role. We certainly appreciate a few minutes and look look forward to getting to know you uh, a whole lot more come spring training. Neil, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate the time, and and, and thank you very much. Well, we heard from one of the guys involved in a lot of the changes and one of the guys affected by some of the changes. Let's go to someone who broke the story, that is, that the Rays were making changes to begin with, and that's Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, I really didn't think I'd be talking to you this soon after the season, but here we are. I know, Neil. It feels like the season hasn't really ended yet. A busy couple days as the Rays are obviously uh, hard at work not just figuring out what the roster is going to look like for next season, but reshaping uh, Kevin Cash's coaching staff first. You're with the team home and road, so how surprised were you, if at all, by the fact that there were changes on the staff uh, going into this offseason? I, I, uh, I would have to say pretty surprised that they were this extreme. I, I thought there might have been one or two changes. I mean, just sometimes you kind of get a vibe maybe on somebody that, you know, they're their roles diminished or, you know, their communication has changed with, with other people around them. But I would definitely not have uh, guessed that Tom Foley and Jim Hickey, two of the uh, longest-serving members, uh, well, not just of the coaching staff, but in Hickey's case, in the entire organization, uh, would leave the staff uh, the way they did. I know Hickey's staying – I mean, I know Foley's staying in the organization, obviously, so that relationship will be maintained, and Kevin Cash has spoken – uh, you know, quite uh, at quite length about that he'll still have a significant role with the team, uh, both in spring training and regular season. But bottom line is, you know, he's no longer on the coaching staff where he's been since 2002, and Jim Hickey is going to go to another organization, and he's no longer there, having been there since 2007. They both wore the green, Neil. There's not too many people left who wore the green. No, no, there weren't, and or aren't. And you know, you you look going forward, and and I mean, it's somewhat of a. A different look, but now this does it truly become Kevin's staff? I mean, when he came in, he inherited a lot of uh, coaches from the old regime, and now he has a lot of guys that it sounds like he's making maybe not the call on, but is very involved in the call and has guys that he, he really wants around him going forward. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when he took over, you know, Tom Foley was the third base coach and he became the bench coach, so that was, you know, part of the, the transition period there. And, and I know, you know, that first year, I remember at the end of that first spring training, I think Kevin Cash bought Tom Foley a canoe mm-hmm. to thank him for all the help he did in getting him through his first spring training. So there was obviously a long relationship there. And, you know, look, I, I think we don't know, and we probably will never know all of the decision-making and all of the input that went into these moves. But, you know, Kevin Cash does have a long-time rapport with Chad Matola, and he's now the hitting coach. He does have a long-time rapport with Kyle Snyder. He's now the pitching coach. You know, he has a relationship with Charlie Montoya that I think has grown over the years. Mm-hmm. Kevin Cash alluded to that last on the conference call on Tuesday night. So, you know, I do think they are coaches he's definitely comfortable with. That's not to say he wasn't 
comfortable with the other guys. But, you know, obviously if someone you have a long-time relationship with, you're probably going to be more comfortable with in this type of high-stress situation. And I guess we'll also see what who the other coaches are that are hired because the Rays do still have two shoes to fill, so to speak. They do, and, and you know, a third-base coach and an assistant hitting coach. And, you know, Neil, it's not unprecedented for people to go from the broadcast booth to the field. I'm kind of <laughs> curious, you know, if you have anything in you as far as that windmill move of sending runners home. No, 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 no chance. Uh, not quite in my, my, uh, my purview. Okay. Um, but the, but the Rays are going to have to take a, a long look at the outside, right? I mean, this is not necessarily going to be someone that the Rays promote from within. Yeah, I think they are going to look outside, and, and typically, you know, the Rays like to keep things in house, and you you saw that obviously with Kyle Snyder being promoted and Charlie Montoyo moving over to the bench coach role. But I don't know, just for some reason, uh, just the way some people were talking about it over the last couple of days, I get the sense that they're going to look outside at least for one of those two positions and. You know, a third base coach is something, too, that's a difficult position to fill. You can't just kind of teach somebody at the big league level how to be a third base coach. You either need somebody who's done it before at the big league level or at the least, as Charlie Montoyo was a longtime minor league manager because they spend most of their time you know, basically managing mm-hmm. the game from the third base box. You know, the, the move with Kyle Snyder, I know, as you mentioned, it came as a surprise, but does it possibly signal a little bit more of a youth movement in terms of the staff since he has – been in Durham for a couple of years and this year had such a successful campaign? Yeah, I think that is part of it. I mean, he is very, uh, has been very successful at Durham. He was before that um, at lower levels in the minor leagues. He worked his way up from short season A to full season A. Then he had a year as a rover where he kind of worked at the lower level. So some of these pitchers that the Rays are, you know, now going to be counting on either currently or in the near term future, he's been involved with for six years. And it's still an interesting debate. I mean, and you know, I know I asked this question on the conference call Tuesday night. I mean, Jim Hickey's worked with young pitchers before too, and Eric Deander was, you know, quite uh, insistent on saying this wasn't an either-or situation, or that somebody did it better than somebody else. It was just a matter of deciding it was time to go in this new direction. So, it obviously was a choice that the Rays made, and you know, it's going to be one uh, subject to a fair amount of debate. I know there was a lot of a surprise throughout the industry yesterday just by the number of text messages I got from scouts and people with other teams and, and even a couple of job candidates for the couple of hours between when the news I broke the news that <laughs> he was out until we got word that Kyle Snyder was taken over. I had a couple of guys who, you know, one guy specifically with a pretty impressive resume who were like, what's on with this job? You know, is there somebody, you know, who do I need to reach out to? And, you know, things like that. So it was definitely a move that took a lot of people around baseball by surprise. It obviously, you know, I think, to a degree, took Jim Hickey by surprise and certainly took some of the veteran pitchers by surprise. I know in talking to Alex Cobb and Chris Archer, Jake Odorizzi, among some others, there was a lot of surprise among those guys, too. But clearly something that Kevin Cash and Ernie Ander feel is the right move. They feel very comfortable with Kyle Snyder working with this group of young pitchers. And I'll be curious to see. I know another question people asked was, does this mean they're going to get rid of the veteran guys and go with an all-young staff? I don't think it necessarily means that, but I do think over the next you know X amount of years, they feel like they've got a lot of internal pitching candidates, and those are going to be the core of their staff. Indeed. So it's going to be, well, it's already been an interesting offseason. We haven't even had 48 hours to get through it. Are you, going to, uh, are you going to be at one of the divisional series in either the American or National League, or are you just going to have to basically follow this story through? <laughs> yeah, I think we'll be uh, hanging out here for a while and uh, keeping track of uh, all the rays going on, but uh, hopefully uh, later on in the postseason we'll get out there and they get to one of the LCSs of the World Series. Still to be determined a little bit based on the matchups, but always interesting to be out there and you run into some 
ex-rays, players, or coaches or staff. And a lot of times you kind of hear a little bit of chatter out there as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this postseason unfolds. Off to an interesting start with that AL wildcard game. No doubt. Mark, great stuff, and we will talk to you soon. Anytime, Neil. You know it's the highlight for me. Pretty interesting stuff there from Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. He mentioned the wild card game. It certainly was entertaining. And look, I'm all for bullpenning. I'm all into progressive ideas. The one thing I didn't like, and I think Chris Archer brought it out in a text, were you happy with the entertainment value of the game, or would you rather see shorter and less runs scored? And I think there's a happy medium that can be found. Look, for most kids, and I've got two of that age where you know they're really getting into baseball now, my two girls... They saw maybe an inning of the game of the game. So either you start earlier or you find a way to pick up more pace so you're going to see at least a little bit more of the action because you want to, again, involve that next generation of fan. And to me, that's critically important. Um, the other piece of this is the Yankees advance. They're going to be a heck of a lot of trouble for Cleveland. I really think the team that has the best record in all of baseball um, in, in their league should have a greater advantage going into their best of five round in the divisional series. And here's how I look at it. Um, I think if a team wins more games than anybody else and they face a wild card winner, well, A, the wild card winner should have to play the next day. They shouldn't get a day off before they have the divisional series. The other thing on top of that is I think the team that has the best record should get four games out of five in a best of five series at home. So you'd play two in Cleveland, one in New York, and if necessary, the final two in Cleveland. Um, to me, that rewards winning a division and being the best. And one extra home game to me, or one home game, to me isn't that great an advantage, um, especially in this day and age where you're going to have so many days off in the playoffs where teams can rest. And, and going with your bullpen is very different from the regular season. That's part of the reason I want to eliminate that day off. I want to make it more like a regular season. And to me, that rewards the best teams over the long haul, not the best teams that can sprint but the best teams overall. But that's my take on it. As far as the divisional series that will be played, I'm going to go with the um, the home teams. I'll go with Houston. I'll go with Cleveland. But I would not be shocked if either uh, lost in the opening round. I think Boston, New York, these are the top four teams by far in the American League. To me, there's a pretty good gap between them and Minnesota and the rest of the league. Um, and I'm kind of curious how it plays out. But I, I think all of them have really good bullpens. Um, I like the lineup of Houston. I like the lineup of Cleveland, the depth of it a little bit more. Um, And I do think having to throw as much as uh, Robertson did is going to take a little bit out of the Yankees starch out of their bullpen during the course of this series. But we shall see. If you have a thought on what I just touched on, you can always tweet me at Neil Solons. As we go with more changes and uh, more to talk about in the offseason, we'll have more podcasts. So uh, we thank you for joining us. Enjoy the divisional series, and we will talk to you soon. 